Welcome to The Prep School, a Franklin Medical Reserve Corps podcast where you'll learn how to be prepared through entertaining education. Produced in the media studios at Greenfield Community College in lovely rural western Massachusetts, near Vermont and not far from upstate New York, not the Berkshires, but real close. And here's your host, Denise Schwartz. Hello. Thank you for coming to prep school today. We're going to talk with Carmela Lanza-Weil, a consultant with the Medical Reserve Corps here in Franklin and Berkshire Counties. Carmela is a woman who produces theater, directs, acts, and creates new work based on challenging human issues. We're going to learn from Carmela how the behind-the-scenes stories of volunteers who work to protect the public during COVID and the daily living experiences of older adults in Western Massachusetts coalesced how they came together in a performance piece that she created and called, for now, The COVID Show. Hi, Carmela. Hi, Denise. We're going to talk about theater, COVID clinics, the Medical Reserve Corps, and the intersection of societal issues and art. Okay. Sounds fun. (laughs) Let's go. So theater. I've been a theater professional for many years, and many years ago, uh, started delving into uh, human condition plays. And what are those? Well, things that people experience like grief, Mm -hmm. death, um, aging. And with my posse of creators, we would go in and interview people who had firsthand lived experience with the topic and then create plays out of those stories. Fast forward, Mm -hmm. um, about five years ago, I started working with the Medical Reserve Corps, which is a volunteer-based second responder organization that trains and vets volunteers to be ready to deploy in the event of an emergency. Right. When the COVID pandemic hit... The Medical Reserve Corps units of Franklin and Berkshire County ballooned by about three or four hundred percent practically overnight. And a lot of those volunteers wanted to help in their communities. So we started by making masks and delivering masks and delivering food and checking in on people and doing all the things that we could think of to do. And then the COVID vaccine became available and our focus, my focus, shifted to staffing the clinics in Franklin and Berkshire counties. Okay. Um, Over the course of 18 months, I think, we, the volunteers of Franklin and Berkshire County, devoted 25,000 hours of time to various activities supporting their communities to get through the pandemic. Now, these weren't all people who were, like, putting shots in arms. No, there were a lot of um, doctors and nurses who helped, but at least half of the units are just folks who wanted to help. You don't have to be a medical person to be in the MRC. You just have to have the ability to take some classes, have a background check that comes back clean, and be able to stay in your lane when you are in an emergent situation. So what that means is that if your job is to welcome people at the door, that's what you do. Right. Um, 
And that's what I did. And that's, <laughs> and that's part of the training. So um, during the pandemic, and well, I always keep a journal of things that are going on. And as I was working on that, I was thinking always in the back of my mind, there's a play in here somewhere. Mm. And then um, maybe 18 months ago, you, Denise, started interviewing older adults in Western Massachusetts and gathering their stories about how they got through the shutdown particularly. Right, their COVID stories. And we created a series of oral histories that have been... Uh, archived and uh, that people can listen to and we can tell them how they can do that. Yeah. And you heard those. I did. I transcribed a lot of those. (laughs) And you heard those and what were you thinking? So we have stories that are talking about the upfront everyday experiences of people living during this period and the stories of the kind of behind the scenes stuff that happens in clinics and other places where people are working to keep the public safe. Is that what you were thinking at that point? Um, Yes and no. I mean, my process is very um, improvisational. Mm -hmm. So I started actually, I don't know, maybe two years ago in a workshop development um, place where I started writing some stuff and I delved into my journals and then I heard about the interviews and I thought, oh, well, we could add those in because that's a different perspective. And eventually we came up with the COVID show, which we also call Captive Audience. These are working titles, correct? These are working titles, absolutely. And last spring, the spring of 2023, we did, we produced three staged readings of the rough draft of the script. We got audience feedback and then it was laid to rest for the summer. And now um, here we are in the fall of 2023. And um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be presenting some of the show at the New England Rural Health Association Conference And then I also have um, plans to continue refining and revising the play so that it can enjoy a a life in perhaps a theater with, you know, actors, maybe. We'll see. Why did you think it was important to do this, to create a play about something that we all lived through? What, what, what did you get maybe from even those readings and when audiences afterwards told you what they felt about what they heard? How, what, what were you thinking about that? And, and why was it so important to get some messages out there, ones that the general public may not have heard? Because they didn't know what was happening in COVID clinics. They didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. So a couple of things. The response was very challenging, especially when we started doing the COVID vaccines. Um, it was challenging because there was an urgency to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And there really wasn't a roadmap for how to do that. There were pockets of organized information, but it was not really, there, there wasn't a lot of guidance federally or at the state level for what to do. So, Was that because it was so new? I mean, none of us had been through a pandemic before. Well, actually, we've been through about 
six pandemics in well, the past in hundred our, years. Yeah. In the past hundred years, but none of Starting us were around. Starting with 1918. Oh no, no, no. H1N1 was just ten oh, years H1N1, ago. H1N1, right? Right. Um, so there's there have been other pandemics, but not global. global. Anyway, there have been other pandemics, but they weren't as um, extreme, let's say, as COVID-19. So there wasn't really a roadmap for how to do it. So as a result, every clinic was different. They changed constantly in terms of the setup, the physical way you would get people registered, get them through the clinic, get their shots, have them sit and wait. What if somebody faints? What do, you know, just figuring all this stuff out. Sometimes we did drive-through clinics. Sometimes we did walk-through clinics. And each one, people had to figure out how to do it. Are you saying that when you were told there's going to be a clinic and it needed to be staffed, that was all you were told? You weren't given any, any guidelines on how to get that done? No. Wow. No. So we, the MRC, went through many variations of how to do that. We tried different software packages. We tried um, different ways of reaching out to people. I would get... <laughs> I would get emails from volunteers who were very upset that they hadn't been scheduled. And, you know, so I'd have lists of people who were upset so I could schedule them. And then I'd have a list of people who had been doing it all the time. And it was really time to get some fresh blood in. And so, you know, there would be between five and 50 volunteers, usually closer to 50, at every clinic. And there were between, I'll say, five and eight clinics a week wow, for yes. months. So it was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it sounds totally different from your perspective, you know, what you had to go through, because as somebody who went through one of those clinics, it went like that, you know? I just saw that, yeah, I get there, I go through, I get my shot, I wait, I'm okay, I'm out of there, yay! And I have to say that a lot of the public saw it that way. I worked one of the clinics... I was lucky enough to be out in a parking lot, and after people did their drive-through, got their shot in their arm, came by, they came to me, I showed them where to park, and as they were driving by me, I'm not kidding you, I only saw positive response. Maybe I saw one or two negative responses, like, oh, I didn't want to do it, but I did. But most people were giving me high fives and going, yay, we did it. It was so gratifying. So from my, my perspective was, this is really running well. And I think on the whole, at least the clinics I personally experienced, they did run very well. There were many glitches behind the scene. Um, there were clinics where they didn't get the vaccine delivered. There were clinics where they had bad needles, which I didn't even know was a thing. Oh. There were clinics when people wouldn't show up and we wouldn't have enough people. Yeah, so I remember that. There were clinics where um, the computers didn't work, and we had to have computers so that we could upload the data to the state to keep track of who had gotten the vaccine and who hadn't. And um, so that was a challenge. There were, I mean, there were a million things that everyone, and people, you know, the people organizing them were tireless mm -hmm. in trying to improve and make it better. My piece was tiny, but a lot. It was a lot. And one of the, the takeaways for me was that it always felt like we could do this better. 
So what could we do that's better? And mm-hmm. the way to figure that out is to look back at what we did. In emergency management, you call it an after-action report, where at the end of an emergency, everybody involved sits around and says, this is what happened, where were the gaps, what can we do better next time? And that indeed has happened. There are many after-action reports out there. And people are thinking about how to do it better. And so one of the impulses for me for doing the show was to remind people that we went through as a world, as a people, a unusual and traumatic event. It was very difficult. A lot of people died. A lot of families were torn apart. There was a lot of um, political unrest, I'm sure everyone recalls. Um, And I think it's very important that we find a way to process that information and figure out how to better respond when these emergency situations evolve. There's going to be another pandemic. They happen all the time. That's right. So what can we do now to prepare for the next one? There's also the, the shift that anecdotally I have heard from lots of people that, you know, we're, the, the new normal is truly new. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. They have. Office buildings are empty. People have disappeared. Where are all the workers? Um, what used to be just everyday life no longer exists. And so acknowledging that and embracing that we are going into a new frontier and talking about what happened is important because the reason I think we tell stories is to help us understand our lives. I like that. So with theater, Mm -hmm. we can present stories, a lot of stories, and people will relate to them and they will get new information, they will get a better understanding, and hopefully all of this will combine to make us healthier, make us more resilient. I know you hate that word. But <laughs> it's a little uh, overused, yeah. but, you know, it but does, it, it's meaningful. It is. And to, you know, help us get through what we're still going through. You know, it was a hard time. And I saw all of the readings that um, were presented for the COVID show. I heard all of the different voices. And some of them were really unhappy. There were negative things that happened. But I have to say, there were also good things that came out of that whole situation. And we heard what some people said about getting through the pandemic. For those people who didn't lose a loved one in the pandemic, for those who didn't have a real traumatic experience. There were moments, what I've heard from people in doing the interviews and watching and listening to the readings and hearing what people behind the scenes had to say, there were moments when people had the time to think about things that weren't superficial, things that were going to try to help us move ahead in spite of everything that has happened or that will happen. I remember several people saying, 
well, I've been through things before. And my thought was, I just have to keep going. My behavior every day has changed. I can't do the things I used to do, but that's okay. I just have to keep going. I mean, this is like really important for us to remember. Bad things happen. That's what life is. But life is also full of good things. And maybe sometimes getting through not so good things gives us a way to get through the next thing that happens. I don't mean to be rambling, but I remember that that's really when people were talking to me, they would kind of do this kind of thinking while we were talking about what happened to them. It was really bad, but look, here I am and I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. I, that came through in the readings too. I think that was really important. And if, if, if and when you do a final show, COVID show, captive audience, I'm sure those kinds of messages of hope will come through. I hope so. I, I hope so. You're going to make that happen, Carmela. I am. Yes. So, um, so we did the readings. We're going to develop it further. It may go in a completely different direction as far as production values and everything goes. But I think it is a tool, theater and art, to get back to your initial statement, that art can heal. Art is important because it helps us understand life in a non-linear, non-scientific, data-driven manner. It it talks to our hearts. It does. And that's what is going to help us get through. I can't wait to see this show. Me too. <laughs> well, get to work, will okay. you? Okay, I got to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. It was really good to hear. Let's not forget what happened during the pandemic. Let's be strong and get through the next thing that happens we know we can. Okay? Absolutely. Okay, it's a deal. Thanks, Carmela. Thanks, Denise. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.